I want you to go with me, as I mentioned a moment ago, into the book of the Psalms, and uh, we find Psalm number 90, uh, Psalm number 90, and uh, we're going to look together uh, into this text that uh, uh, we uh, will note here. We find that Psalm 90 is the most ancient psalm uh, of all the psalms. It is the psalm of Moses, and uh, this psalm corresponds with an event that takes place in the book of Numbers. We'll look at that event in just a moment, Numbers chapter number 13. But I want you to notice with me, if you would please, uh, this passage in Psalm number 90. The Bible says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with the flood, and they are as a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. For thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, uh, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. I'd like for us to pray together as we note before we pray what we read in verse number 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness to us. And God, we pray that in these moments that you would help us by your spirit, that we might receive the truth of your word. We pray, God, that your word would accomplish the purpose whereto you have sent it into our lives and into our hearts this day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. For his sake we pray it. Amen. I want us to look together in the book of Numbers. 
Numbers, if you would please, in verse number 13. If you'll turn there with me. Numbers chapter number 13 and verse number 26. The events that we will read in the book of Numbers are the events that God uses in the life of Moses as Moses penned this 90th Psalm. And in this 90th Psalm, Moses asked the Lord to do something that we all need to ask the Lord to do. And that is to teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Our days are important, and each day brings a new opportunity for us. It presents a new challenge, and there are difficulties that we deal with. But we also understand that each day presents a new opportunity for us, and each day gives us an opportunity to serve the Lord and to choose to please him. In Numbers chapter 13, we come to a dreadful day in the experience of the people of the nation of Israel. Uh, after they had come to Kadesh Barnea, the 12 spies of Israel were sent into the land of promise. There they surveyed the land for 40 days, and they came back bearing the fruit of the land. Uh, those 12 spies then gave a report of the land. There were two, Joshua and Caleb, and their report was, this is the land of blessing. This is exactly what God has promised, and we are able to go up and take the land. There were 10 others who said, wait a minute, fellas. Uh, don't get ahead of yourselves. Uh, there are giants in, those, in that land, and this land will devour us, and this land will swallow us up, and if we try to go in there, uh, we're going to look like grasshoppers in their sight. And so the Bible says that they discouraged the people. And the people chose not to embrace the promise of God. And because of an evil heart of unbelief, they disobeyed the command of the Lord and they failed to receive all that God had for them. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? which murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years. And ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. 
You see, here's a group of people who had the promises of God. They'd seen the power of God. God had delivered them from Egyptian bondage. He had brought them out with a strong hand. He did not bring them out empty. The Egyptians, if you will remember, as the Israelites departed, gave them of their riches and their wealth. So they did not go out empty. When they went out, they came to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his army followed after them. But God opened the sea, and the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground. God gave victory after victory after victory. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were thirsty, he gave them water in the wilderness. His presence went with them in that wilderness. It was hot in the day, but his presence served as a cloud to protect them from the sun. It was cold in the night, but his presence served as a fire in the evening to warm them. God took care of them. God provided for them. Not one promise that God made to them did he ever fail to deliver upon. But when it came to this moment, when they were to enter into the land, when they were to realize the blessings of God to the fullest extent, they didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. You see, God had so much more for them than they were willing to trust him for. And I want to say this to you this morning, that in 2021, God has many things for us if we will trust him, if we will believe him. And perhaps as you look back on this past year, no doubt there are disappointments, no doubt there are failures in your life. May God help us to leave those at the foot of the cross, and may God help us to look forward in faith to what God has for us in the coming year. But these people miss their opportunity. John Phillips writes concerning the people of Israel. He said, everyone over 20 years of age would perish in the wilderness. The terror by night, the arrow by day, the pestilence in the darkness, the destruction at noonday, the lion and the adder would all take their toll. It was the sentence of death on a whole congregation. The wilderness way gave place to the wilderness wanderings. Instead of the promised land, it would be the desert sand. Instead of the conquest of Canaan, there would be woe in the wilderness. From then on, Israel marched, but she marched without point or purpose. The Israelites simply moved from place to place, leaving behind them a trail of bones in desolate graves hollowed in the sand. They wandered thus for 40 years, a year for every day the spies were in Canaan. God held over the unbelieving people a sand glass of 40 years, during which every man and woman of the older generation would perish. Imagine that. They missed their opportunity. They could have experienced the fruit of Canaan. Instead, because of their unbelief, they remained in the wilderness and they suffered and eventually they died. I want to tell you that God has better things for you. God has blessings that abound, and they're awaiting on you. And your obedience is the key that unlocks the door to the blessings of God. The decisions that we're going to make in the days ahead will impact the direction of our lives. Israel this day made a terrible decision. 
they disobeyed the Lord. And because of their, dis- their disobedience, they came to a disappointing end. Each day, each new year provides you and I with another opportunity to make the right decision. And this is what uh, Moses noted as he thought about the disappointment of not being able to enter into the land, as he thought of the disappointment that they would experience day to day living in that wilderness, he began to look to God and said to the Lord, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. If God allows you and I to live through 2021, you and I will have 300 and 65 days to trust God, 365 days to serve God, 365 days to learn more of God and his word, 365 more days that we can pray one for another, 365 more days for us to encourage uh, one another, 365 more days for you and I to tell lost souls about Jesus. What an opportunity lies ahead for us. And may God help us not just to enter in carelessly, not just to enter in casually, but may God help us to enter in by faith, trusting him, looking to him, seeking him, that he would teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. There are three thoughts that will guide us through this passage in Psalm 90. We'll note them. First of all, we see the brevity of our days. Then we'll see the burdens of our days. And then lastly, the blessings of our days. I want you to see the brevity of our days. We note it again in Psalm 90 and verse number one. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, would you say the next three words with me? Thou art God. Can I say this is the number one acknowledgement that you need to make in your life? As you enter into 2021, as you look back upon this year, would you acknowledge that God is God in your life? That means he is sovereign. That means he is in control. That means that he is in charge. You belong to him if you're a Christian today. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You are the servant of the living God. And it is your responsibility to present your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him. And that, my friends, is our reasonable service, is it not? And so may God help us to acknowledge that he is our sovereign. Now, I want you to note something about him. The Bible says that he is our dwelling place. He's our dwelling place. Do you know, uh, John Phillips said it this way. He said, the Lord is tender. The Lord is tender. The word for dwelling place here literally means den, Now, I don't use the word den in my house. We don't have a den. We're not that formal. Maybe you have a den. We have a family room. How many of you are following what I'm saying? God has invited us into the family room. We have been made a part of the family of God. Now, recently, you you gathered with your family, and you opened gifts, 
and uh, some of you were excited and some of you were disappointed and some of you are wondering where those receipts are because you can't wait to take that back. But you gathered with your family and you exchanged gifts and you were in the family room. That is an intimate place. That is a place of fellowship. That's a place for people who belong. And God said, I want you to belong to me. I have opened the door. And though these children of Israel were not going to get into the land of promise, though they were going to wander in that wilderness, Moses recognized something. It wasn't the place that was important. It is the person. And Moses knew the Lord and the Lord is our dwelling place. No matter where we may find ourselves, we who know the Lord Jesus have a home, and our home is in him. We abide in him, and the Bible teaches us that he abides in us. God is tender. And then we see here that God is timeless. Notice in verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth forever, thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. God is eternal. You and I occupy time. God occupies eternity. Our life is but for a moment. God is everlasting. And that's important for us to acknowledge because as we think about the brevity of our days, we understand life is short. Life is short. I mentioned this morning at 8.30, my wife who was in the 8.30 service, my wife and I have been married now for 29 years. It's hard to believe. Number one, it's hard to believe she married me. Number two, it's hard to believe she stayed with me all these years but I'm grateful that she did. I remember when I was a young person, I thought, I can't wait till I'm out of school. And finally that day came. I remember sitting on, this will date me, on my graduation night, sitting on the edge of my waterbed. How many of you remember those, right? And I thought, I can't believe it happened. I've graduated. The class of 1986, we're going to make a difference. And uh, I thought, now I'm going to college. I remember I had a, a, a dentist, and I, I thought, maybe I'd like to be a dentist. And I asked him, Dr. Changus, how long did you have to go to school to be a dentist? He said, I had to go for eight years. I said, forget that. I'm not going to school eight years. But I remember when I finally graduated uh, from the University of Tennessee, I, I did it in an, in a, an amazing time I crammed four years of college into five and a half years and uh, I finally finished I finally finished I thought I I I, one of these days I don't know when I'll get married well I got married one of these days I don't know when I'll have children I, I had children and now I look back on it and I think where did the time go well this is exactly what Moses is saying He said, Lord, our days are passing. But God, you are eternal. Notice in verse 3, For thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with the flood. They are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. 
In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. <coughs> he said, our life, the life of man is like a day. In the morning we spring up, but in the night, after an exposure to the sun and the elements, it's over. We wither up and we die. Our time is passing swiftly. That's why we need a God who is tender and a God who is timeless to guide us through this wicked world in which we live. James said in James chapter 4 and verse number 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Our lives are just momentary. I remember listening to a man uh, years ago at a golf tournament uh, give a challenge to a group of golfers, and his goal was to present the gospel. His daughter had been tragically killed in a car accident, and he took a bottle of Febreze, something most of you use on a regular basis. Maybe some of you don't use it, and you wonder why people are sitting so far from you, but he took that bottle of Febreze, he sprayed it into the air. When he sprayed it, he said, fellas, watch. Watch this nozzle. See what comes out of it. And for an instant, you could see that Febreze as it came out of that dispenser, out of that bottle. But in just a moment, it was gone. He said, gentlemen, that's your life. It's a vapor. It's over before you know it. You see, our days are brief on this earth. That's why we need God. That's why we need to seek the Lord. And we must look to the timeless, tender God to lead us through these brief days that we have on this earth. We see a second thing, not only the brevity of our days, but I want you to see the burdens of our days. Our days are short, but they're sorrowful. Notice in verse number seven, for we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Five times in these verses, God speaks to us concerning his wrath. In verse 7, we read anger, and again, wrath. In verse number 9, wrath. In verse number 11, anger, and again, we read wrath. Do you know the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day? When you look around at what's happening in our nation, a nation that has turned its back on God, a nation that has rejected the truth 
of God's word. A nation that is seeking to remove God from the public arena. We find that God is angry with our nation. He is angry with the wicked. And because of our sinfulness, we do not receive blessing. We receive trouble. We live in a world that is burdensome. And the source of the trouble is sin. Job said in Job 14 and verse number one, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Job said life is brief, but life in its brevity is full of burdens, difficulties, trials. When the Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? This was Jacob's response in Genesis 47 and verse 9. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. Jacob said, few? It went fast, 130 years. And evil, burdensome, difficult, trying. You see, when we walk according to our own will, and our own sinful desire, when we reject God's truths, when we are disobedient to God's commands, then we fall short of the blessings and we begin to reap the fruit of our sin. The Bible says in Psalm 78 in verse number 33 of this generation that uh, turned away uh, from the land. In Psalm 78 and verse 33, the Bible says, Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. If you read Psalm 78, you're going to find a record of God's faithfulness to the children of Israel, how he delivered them, how he fed them, how he gave them water, how he gave them shelter, how he met every need that they had, and yet they did not trust him to enter in. They decided to go their own way. They decided to live according to the days of vanity. And days of vanity always lead us to years of trouble. The reason some of us are in the situations we find ourselves in today is because of our disobedience. Because of our stubbornness, because of our pride, because of our self-will, because of our lust and our indulgence of our fleshly appetites, and we're all guilty. Because of that, we are reaping consequences today. And this is where the children of Israel found themselves because of the days of vanity in their lives. They were now reaping years of trouble. Think of the difficulties that our world is facing today. Coronavirus, who would have ever dreamt it? Racial strife and enmity. Political division. Economic hardship. Crime murder, divorce, the breakdown of the family, depression, anxiety, suicide, addiction, illness, death, and on and on and on it goes. Things don't seem to be getting any better in America, do they? They only seem to be getting worse. By the way, lest you be discouraged, let me remind you what the Bible says. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
when I see what's happening in our country, I'm greatly troubled. And I cannot believe the level of deception that exists in America. And then I turn to the pages of God's word and I understand this is the way God said it would be. Not only are they deceiving others, but they themselves are deceived. You see, when you reject the light of God's word and you choose to walk in darkness, you'll receive greater darkness. And the more you walk in darkness, the darker it will become. And we have a world and a nation that is walking in darkness, and now America is reaping the consequences of her iniquities. And may God help us as we deal with the burdens of our days. Why do we need God to teach us to number our days? That we might apply our hearts to wisdom? Why? Because the brevity of our days we're just here for a short time. We don't want to waste it. Because of the burdens of our days, this is a difficult world to live in. And the consequences of our sin can rob us of the blessings of God. And this is exactly where Moses and the people found themselves. But then in the midst of the brevity and of the burdens, what does he do? He prays and asks God to give him the blessings, and God answers. And we note, thirdly, the blessings of our days. Hey, we don't have to walk around like we just lost our best friend, like we're hopeless and in despair. No, we have hope. Our hope is in the Lord today. We can look forward to what God has for us because we have the promises of God. We have the presence of the Holy One abiding in us. We have the precepts of his word to guide us. We have the blessings. Notice in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. God, teach us to seek after you. Teach us to walk wisely in this world. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that we are to walk circumspectly. We're to walk wisely, and we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. So God teach us here that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So as we seek the Lord's blessings, Moses gives a request. Now notice what he asked for. First of all, he desired to see the move of God. He desired to see the move of God. Look at it with me in verse number 13. What is the first word? Would you say it with me? Return. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. God, would you return to us? Would you move? toward us. Would you, oh God, move upon us? May I ask you a question? As you enter into 2021, do you desire in your heart to see God move in your life? Do you desire to see a move of God in your church? Do you desire to see a move of God in our nation? Well, if you desire to see that, 
I want to tell you that it's up to you and I to make the first move. Now, let me just say this as a matter of context. God made the first move when he sent his son to redeem us of our sin. And it was God who put in our hearts uh, the desire to come to him. He drew us to himself. But having known him and having been close to him, uh, may we now learn that it is our responsibility to move toward God. Notice again, return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Why had God seemingly departed from them? Because of their disobedience because they departed from his will. Why is it that we seem not to have God's favor and God's blessings upon our lives? Why is it that we grow cold and indifferent? I want to tell you it's not because God has departed from us. It is because we have departed from him. And if we want to see God move, then we need to make the next move. James explains it for us quite well in James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. You know, some people, in fact, all of us deal with this, have a hard time submitting to anybody. And I want to tell you, if you have a hard time submitting to anyone, it is only because you have a hard time submitting to God. God says to us, submit yourself to me. Allow me to be in control of your life. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Oh, sometimes we're easy to pray for him. In fact, we don't resist him. We run right alongside of him. But here he says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Now, here's, here it is. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. In other words, if I want God to move on my life, I need to move toward God. And as I move toward God, God will move toward me. Remember now, God is our dwelling place. We can enter into the family room. We can enter into fellowship with him. And friend, if you and I, after we have departed from that fellowship and that, uh, that closeness to Christ, if you and I will return to him, here's what we're going to find. We're going to find that he's happy to see us and he will draw even closer to you and I. Oh, how we need God to move on us in 2021. How do we do it, preacher? Well, James tells us in James 4 and verse 8, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Get clean. Come clean with God. Confess your sin and draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. That's a promise that we can hold on to as we enter in to a new year. What is our request? We desire to see the move of God. Here's another one. Moses desired to receive the mercy of God. Notice in verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Moses said, Lord, uh, we've done wrong. We, we, we've sinned against you. Uh, we have uh, been afflicted because of our sin. But God, we want you to make us glad. Even though we've suffered, even though we've sinned, and, and rightly so, 
God, we're praying for your mercy. Do you know what mercy is? It is withholding that which we deserve. And what all of us as sinners deserve is judgment. What we all deserve is death. But God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our sin and our death. You know the anger and the wrath that we spoke of in the earlier verses? Let me tell you where that anger and wrath fell. It did not fall on you and I, praise God. It fell on Jesus. When he hung upon the cross, suspended from earth and heaven, and the dark cloud descended upon him, and the iniquity of us all was laid upon him, and he was separated from his father, that's when he bore the wrath and the judgment of our sin. He took it for you and I. And what does he extend to us, the ones who deserve that wrath and judgment? He extends to us mercy. What should be our prayer for our lives? Mercy. If you've lived long enough, you've gotten accustomed and acquainted, maybe not accustomed, that's not a good word, but acquainted with the level of your sinfulness. I was saved as a young boy, seven years old. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed to be saved. And I asked the Lord Jesus to save me, and I praise God that he saved me that day. But here I am 45 years later, and now I have a greater understanding of the level of the depravity of this sinful flesh. I don't deserve one good thing from God, and neither do you. The only thing that we have from God, or all the things, rather, that we have from God are given to us because of his mercy. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, Moses prayed, God, be merciful. And I want to tell you, friend, when you cry that out to God, when you cry out to him and you say, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner, God always hears that prayer. He always hears that prayer. Moses desired to see the move of God. He desired to receive the mercy of God. He desired to see the might of God. Look at it in verse 16. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. God, Moses said, Lord, I want to see your work. I want to see you do something. Lord, I know you have power, and I want to see your power demonstrated in my life. I want to see your power demonstrated in the lives of your people. I want to see your power. I want to see your work accomplished in your church. I want, I want you to know that God is not finished with his church. There's a work to be done. And COVID did not kill the work of God. And it won't kill it. And the church will march on. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I know we live in a world filled with fear. And I know many people are concerned about their health. And I I don't question or belittle anyone because of that. And I've told our seniors who are concerned, I say, you stay home. Let this thing thing kind of dissipate. Let's figure out where this thing's going to go. Take care of yourselves. Join us online. Let's, Let's be wise stewards here. But I want you to understand The work of the church is not stopped. It's not ceased. It's moving on. And we need God's hand of blessing. We need to see God's power manifest in his church, in our homes, in our lives. Let's not be content with what man can do or with what our flesh can do. Let's seek God. Let's 
seek the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God and the power of God. This is what Moses is praying for. Lord, let thy work appear. Let's see your might unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. You know, I'm awfully concerned about the next generation. Are you? Are you concerned? Let me tell you, if the new administration accomplishes their goals, they are going to put severe limits on Christian liberty. Make no mistake about it, friend. This is bigger than party. This is bigger than politics. This is a sinister effort by Satan himself uh, to restrict religious freedom in America and across the world. And by the way, if, the, if, if Americans aren't free to preach the gospel, then the world suffers as a result. This nation has sent missionaries uh, throughout the world. And so I want you to know, uh, we, want, we are concerned about our children and we had better take this concern seriously. And Lord, we seek you, and may God help you to seek him, that his power and his might would be manifest in his church so that our children would have the same opportunity to hear the same truth and live the same way that God has allowed you and I to live and enjoy the same freedoms that we have enjoyed and learn to have a home that God has allowed you and I to grow up in and live in. That is my concern, and that ought to be your concern, that they would know the truth and that they would be able to live the truth in this coming generation. He said, Lord, I want their, my children to see your power and your glory. What did Moses pray? He prayed for blessings. He said, we desire to see the move of God. We desire to receive the mercy of God. We desire to see the might of God. And then lastly, as we close, he said, we desire to show the majesty of God. Notice verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. God said, I will be made known in all the earth. When David went to Goliath with that sling in his hand and Goliath cursed him, you remember what David said. He said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Do you know why God has allowed us to live in this time and in this place? Because God has given us the responsibility, and yea, I say unto you the opportunity to make him known. Moses said, Lord, let your beauty, let it, let it be upon us. You know, what some of us desperately need, in fact, what all of us desperately need, is an extreme makeover. We need God to cleanse us from all our impurities 
and all our filthiness and to cover us with his cosmetic touch and conform us to the image of his son so that when the world sees us, it will see Jesus. Remember what they said when they saw, they saw Stephen? His face was as the face of an angel. Uh, when those men came to preach in Jerusalem, they, the Bible said they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. You remember when Moses, you read the story, when Moses came down off the mount? He'd been on the mount with God for 40 days, and he came down, and when he came down, the men could not look upon his face. Why? Because he was shining with radiant glory because he had been in the presence of God for 40 days. You know what the world needs to see? They need to see the beauty of God. How are they going to see it? Uh, Not on the news. They're going to see it on you. They're going to see it in your life, in your behavior, in your attitude, in your response to them, in your kindness, in your love, in your, in, in your presentation of the gospel, in, in your invitation to attend a church service. In their hour of need, when you are there, they're going to see it in the way that you conduct yourself, in the way that you do not participate in their revelry, in the way that you do not participate in their entertainments they're going to see the beauty of God in your life. Why does the moon shine at night? Not because it has light of its own, but because it reflects the light of the sun. And may God help us to reflect the light of his son and beautify this world. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Not only do we need to be conformed to the image of Christ, but we need to be employed in the work of Christ. You know, it's, it's awfully tempting to get lazy, isn't it? I, I, I fall for that temptation. But I want you to know the work of the church is exactly that. It's a work, and it takes workers. And if we're going to go forward in 2021, we've got to have faithful people who are ready to do the job. There should be no unemployment in the work of God. 